as I surf, realizing that there's these minerals that need to be in the ocean in order to regulate some of the carbon and the damage that is going into the ocean, um, we can use our act of surfing to put minerals back into the ocean. The only way I could conceive of doing this was by putting it into a wax in which naturally comes off of a surfer's board as they do what they do best, just taking waves. These minerals can be put into wax and allow for some of the pressure that's put on reefs and shellfish to be alleviated by having those minerals already in the ocean in a different form. Hello, Saltwater High, Double D coming at you from Ojai. I hope everyone's having a great day. It's been a fantastic week here in Ventura. That south swell was pumping. I hope you got in the water. I got so many good waves. I don't think I've surfed this many hollow waves in Ventura consistently or consecutively in a long time. When the uh, swell first came in, it was it was a little, the angle wasn't just right, but then it just got a little bit north in it, and man, it was sure fun. Let's talk about today's guest. Marissa was so much fun. I really loved having her on the podcast. She is a hemp warrior. She is creating reefer wax, which is a hemp-based surf wax for the industry, and. I have no doubt that she is going to be super successful. She's still getting her product together and I just checked the site and it's not live yet. So please check back with her, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks as she gets her product lined up and, and into the market. But, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I I don't think I've ever met anybody that was so um, really aligned with my own visions around ecology and hemp, and you know what we're doing to the planet and and the things that we need to do to really create a sustainable lifestyle, an eco-minded lifestyle is. That's kind of my new terminology, but please welcome Marissa to the podcast, and I really hope you enjoy it. Marissa, this is Saltwater. Hi, what's happening? What's up, Derek? How's it going? It's good. It's so good to see you again. You as well. uh, We had a conversation that got it's maybe it's been a month now, something like that. Yeah, short yeah. little intro. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this. I, I we were aligned in so many ways and so much so much of our journey. So um, yeah, I'm excited to hear more about what's happening in entrepreneur land and hemp land and everything in between and surfing and yeah. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Amazing. Yeah. My heart is beating with excitement. This is (laughs) my first podcast. So um, I feel as though this is going to be a sweet opportunity. I love your platform. I really Mm. appreciate the opportunity to come on here Mm. and speak about what I'm doing. So thank you, first Mm. of all. Um, So I come from the East Coast. I'm from Maryland originally, and I did not grow up surfing. However, I moved to California knowing 
having the intention that it was just going to be a part of my life that I was inextricable, inextricable, excuse me. And oh, no. because of that, I decided. Oh yeah. You, you paused. To, um, sec. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was going to be inextricable. And as there I, go. we'll cut out the other part. <laughs> cool. As I found myself flowing into the world of surfing, um, I started to just question some of the products that I was using. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing now is very much based around how can we use our influence, our dollar, our our knowledge to make sure that we are choosing the correct products as we move mm. forward with creating a really regenerative ecosystem. So mm. my whole movement is based around choosing regenerative products as well as trying to make products that are going to undo some of the damage due to climate change. I love that. I I, I think that's such a, a visionary kind of view, right? Not only to be regenerative, but also to, um, to heal is what I'm hearing, like to heal part of what's, what's been done, which, you know, I, I don't, I hear few people have that kind of vision. So it's, it's a really beautiful vision. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually found uh, wave tribe through a search of regenerative products, specifically mm. looking for hemp based products within the surfing industry. So I was super excited to see that there's people that have been doing this for years now, you know, but it really takes, I think, uh, a curiosity and a want to find these alternatives that mm. you have to come into this with. So yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak to you directly and just hear a bit more about how you guys came to do what you did as well and why hemp was your choice. Yeah. Well, I mean, bring to my attention. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'm excited to invite you in the circle because there aren't many of us in that kind of eco circle and surfing. It's become, there are more, you know, like some of the brands are doing, you know, eco board shorts and that sort of thing, but it's not, I mean, it's great. Every little step is, is a good step, but I feel like to stand in the circle of ecology, it takes a whole different commitment. And so when I, so I had a clothing company before I started Wave Tribe and it was a, um, it was all eco. So it was, um, it was, and I was looking at, I was going to magic, which was magic is like the main, uh, fashion show in, in the industry, actually it's, it's every six months in Las Vegas. And so I was really familiar with fabric, right? Because I, I was in clothing. So hemp, bamboo, like hemp and bamboo were, I think the two leading, um, sustainable fabrics at the time, organic cotton was starting to get, you know, was getting some momentum, but if you really wanted to be alternative, people were, were really going towards hemp or bamboo. Um, because of all the things that, you know, make them great. And so when I transitioned from, from clothing to basically board bags, which was my first product, I was like, oh, what, you know, what fabric can we use that isn't plastic? That was my, that was like the question, what fabric can I use that isn't plastic? Or is there a way that I can make a board bag that that's more ecological? And at first I thought like recycled plastic, but I didn't really like that too much. And I thought, oh my good, like hemp, 
hemp is the, it's the perfect fabric for board bags. Right. And so it was like one of those aha moments and, um, I've never looked back and I've always been, you know, super happy with our board bags and, and, you know, we've built a company, not just around hemp, but we've built a company around ecology, but hemp was the first pillar. And so what, what is it about hemp that you like or that has attracted you to hemp? So many things. Um, mm. It really comes down to the fact that every single part of this plant can be utilized and turned into something that can either feed us, shelter us, clothe us, heal us. I mean, it truly is a all-encompassing plant. And I think also part of what drew me to it was the taboo that's surrounding it. And why is there all of this pushback mm. against this plant? Um, knowing that it is just something that grows from the mm. ground. It comes from a seed it is natural. It was put on this earth just like we were. Why is it? Why are, is this all going to be pushed away from us and over so many years has this happened mm. so i think those two things together have brought me to just do the time and research to understand really what this plant can be used for what it's good for and also why there was all this pushback so mm. i also came to this actually i didn't really have hemp as the starting line but it came to be the perfect filler for what i needed and mm -hmm. to give a bit of background, I originally came into surfing questioning, how can we continue to surf knowing that there is this damage that's happening to our ocean year mm -hmm. after year after year, especially through seeing it through reefs and the ecosystems that all surround reefs and how they are just dying off in a rate that we can't even comprehend. So through seeing that, and wondering how surfers are going to be able to continue doing what they do, what can we do to make sure that can happen, not just for us, but for future generations to enjoy? So really what the core was, was understanding the cycles that happen within the ocean that are actually damaging reefs, and not just reefs, but everything that requires calcium. And I like to call mm coral, the bones of the ocean, just like we have bones full of calcium and other minerals. Mm. These bones need calcium and other minerals in order to continue to grow. That includes shellfish, like oysters, crabs, lobsters, all of these things that have exoskeletons need these minerals. So as the ocean is changing due to climatic change, these things are suffering. You can see it. You can understand it if you're in these industries you realize that it's going to decline at to zero at a certain point if we don't do something about it mm. um and i guess part of that goes back to my core as well coming from maryland the shellfish industry is huge i grew up eating shellfish i could eat it on a daily basis if we had access in the way that you mm. need to when you're living by the sea so mm. so that was the core was understanding that first and foremost coming from that as I surf, realizing that there's these minerals that need to be in the ocean in order to regulate some of the carbon and the damage that is going into the ocean, um, we can use our act of surfing to put minerals back into the ocean. Mm -hmm. The only way I could conceive of doing this was by putting it into a wax, 
in which naturally comes off of a surfer's board as they do what they do best, mm. just taking waves. These minerals can be put into wax and allow for some of the pressure that's put on reefs and shellfish to be alleviated by mm. having those minerals already in the ocean in a different form. I love that. I had no idea that that was part of your vision. It's, uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and so then hemp really becomes the, I guess, the vehicle for, for redistributing the minerals. Is that how you see it? Or exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, so, hemp being this all-encompassing plant, my my dream was to utilize it in some way. And how can there not be a wax that comes from hemp, knowing that it is mm. this sticky material? If you've ever had your hands mm. on hemp or truly hemp is cannabis Mm -hmm. to just try and change the education a little bit around it. Hemp is the same plant as marijuana. Mm -hmm. It is only chemically different. They are both cannabis. They are just genetically, some have more THC, some have more CBD. So at its core, the stalk, the leaves, everything that can be used to create all the building materials and clothing Marijuana can also be used to create those things. Hmm. It's just in a legal form, you have to Hmm. have it below 0.3% THC in Hmm. order to turn it into these things. That's what's considered hemp. Okay. Yeah, it'd be, it's interesting as obviously parts of the country are becoming looser around the use of marijuana, which is great. Um, I wonder if there'll come a time when you could like lick your wax, like, (laughs) you know, you're out on your board, you just lick your wax, like a little, like an edible. That would be amazing. That would be. Especially when it's really small, you know, and you're like 20 minutes between sets. Right. Dude, there's a whole other idea. I don't want to have to go in for lunch or a snack. I'm just going to lick my wax and pull myself over. (laughs) That would be cool. I would want to put this out there. It's not not edible by any terms. Of course, of course, of course. That's that's just my, some of my humor, but I I, lo- I love the idea of of putting minerals back. That's it's a great thing, you know. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit? Because I know you've done a ton of research. Um, what is conventional wax? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So, conventional wax comes from paraffin, which is a petroleum-based byproduct. It's mm. also Uh, closely related to um, petroleum jelly, something that we're commonly using on our skin. Um, But it's basically just a harder form of petroleum jelly. And Mm. it goes through all of this processing in order to become what we understand as surf wax. Mainly, it needs to be bleached, first of all. It comes out as like a grayish black sludge originally. It's bleached using chemicals that are considered by the FDA to be carcinogens. And then it also has to go through a process of hardening, which is called hydrogenation. All these things require chemicals that are basically all coming from the petrochemical industry Mm. in order to turn it into the wax that we understand. So the main form is paraffin. The second form is soy wax. Most commonly soy wax comes from the, the agriculture around soy wax has so many 
aspects to it that are damaging from the use of pesticides to the use of uh, chemicals to harden it because it naturally does not come out as a wax. It's just a soybean oil that needs to be hydrogenated the same way that paraffin needs to be hydrogenated. Mm. Um, it's also the largest deforestation culprit in order mm. to sustain our agriculture system and other industries, just like the surfing industry. So those are the two main types. The third one, which is really common in home-based wax. So if you're making your own one at home and you just Google DIY surf wax is beeswax. And this was something that kept coming back to me as I was talking to people about how should I create what I would consider an eco-friendly wax, but it's gone so much further than that now. Beeswax has to, especially to make it at scale, you need to melt down an entire beehive in order to get beeswax out of it because all it is is just the harder parts of the honeycomb, which allow for food to be stored and for the next generation of bees to be born. That's where the eggs are laid and that's where they come from. So in order to create beeswax, there's a lot of harm that needs to be done to the life cycle of bees. And what do we know about bees now? First of all, they're declining in their populations. And second of all, if we are going to continue to produce our vegetables, our fruits, our gardens at our home, if we don't have bees, then we're not going to get our vegetables and our fruits. They have to mm -hmm. pollinate. Without them, we cannot continue to survive. So I did not want to put any sort of reliance on either paraffin, soy wax, or beeswax for any of those reasons. And that whole journey was something that took me down many rabbit holes of what are the alternatives then? Yeah. What can we do instead? Hmm. Um, yeah, so there's some that are out there, but they're very expensive and they can come from all over the world in forms of like carnauba wax was one that I came to originally. Um, but it's not really produced at scale and yeah. it's hard to get your hands on. So uh, I had to start thinking of some alternatives. Hmm, interesting. And do you know, I mean, I would assume that the industry is 98% petroleum based wax or something like that. It has to be, it has to be the majority, right? I mean, I don't yeah. know what the numbers are, but. Um, I think that really comes down to sales. If you were able to track right. and see what overall in the surfing industry, you know, um, those big players are using paraffin and the reason why they're using paraffin is because it's so cheap and they yeah. can keep their prices down to $2 and under a bar. Yeah. Which is crazy because we, at Wave Tribe, we do make, uh, we make a actual a beeswax, but it's, you know, we we private label it from a company in New Jersey. Very small batches, you know, a couple hundred every every few months. Not 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 much at all. Um, and I have I'm gonna ask them where they get their beeswax because now I'm interested. I I always thought well that that was the best alternative, but now that I'm hearing from you, we might have to be care your wax in the future. Ooh, exciting. I love yeah. to hear that you're you're encouraged to ask the question. Absolutely. That is yeah. a huge part of what I'm trying to do is yeah. just get people more curious about what products yeah. they're choosing. And for brands to start to ask the questions about who their suppliers are getting their materials from and what yeah. their processes are to make the materials, all these things, it goes through the chain. And they all have an effect on the larger ecosystem, right? Mm. Yep. 
Definitely. So tell us a little bit about hemp wax. What's the process? I mean, don't give us any secret sauce that you might have, but, you know, generally I assume, so we're not using beeswax, we're not using soy and we're not using petroleum. Mm -hmm. So how does the wax, because obviously the wax has to work for Mm -hmm. surface to use it. So um, what is it about hemp that creates a usable wax, if you Mm -hmm. will? So the hemp-based wax, and I want to be totally transparent because I find that is the best way to get people to open their eyes up to other brands that may not be as transparent. Mm. I am sourcing this hemp wax from companies who take CBD out of the hemp plant and turn it into a distilled form that they can be put into like salves for your skin or Mm. for... uh, edibles that use CBD, it basically turns it into an oil form that then can be put into other things. What's left over, having removed the CBD, is what they call the lipids or the fats. Mm. And that is the wax in which I'm able to use for the base of this wax. So it, it is something that they do need to use alcohols in order to pull out the CBDs. And there are residuals of that, but part of the processing before it comes to me is that that's actually taken out and recycled and they're able to use those alcohols again in their process. That's cool. So it's a full cycle system and it's taking a waste product that was originally going to either be put into compost or turned into just a trash they uh, are able film, to then, yeah. yeah, they're able to give it to reefer and then turn it into a product that is actually going to do some good by putting minerals mm. back into the ocean. So it's this upcycling that I was so encouraged by as soon as this kind of landed in my lap that we would yeah. be able to turn a waste product into something that's doing good. I love that. I love that a lot. So you have this vision, obviously, for a cleaner world and a, and a better world, I would say. So you've, you've taken this on as an entrepreneur, right? Because, I mean, that's, that's, what we, that's how we change the world. A lot of us change the world through, through business. So how does that feel? Like, how, do, how does it feel to, you know, have this vision and realize that you're, you know, you're going to enter the market and you're going to have to do a lot of the other things that us entrepreneurs do? Is that something that excites you, that scares you? Are you, you know, were you learning about that? That sort of thing. I definitely wasn't learning about it. It's something that you just have to learn as you go. I'm finding Mm. Um, the process of creating, bringing something to life is also a process of ridding of old belief systems about Mm. myself or what's possible in an industry or just listening to what people say is the only option and deciding to go outside of that. It's truly about eradicating these belief systems. Part of that in my own belief system was that it's, I come from a background of engineering and I was one who I really found it easier to work on my own. I felt like I was much more effective in that way. And I like to just be able to kind of do my work like that. But then as I'm starting to become an entrepreneur of sorts, I'm learning to rely on other people's strengths so much more because it is so much greater than me to be able to create something like this. And how can I do it 
I'm only one person and I only have a certain amount of strengths. So being able to realize your weaknesses, being able to move forward in a humble way and be able to ask other people for help. And mm. if they're able to see the vision and understand what you're trying to do, I think that you'll find so many more people than you could have ever imagined are willing to take their time and put their energy in and make something come to life. So mm. yeah, I, I was not an entrepreneur, but I am very excited by this process. I ha honestly have not reached a point of feeling scared. I just, anytime, like even getting ready for this is just uh, an excitement of this is the next mm. step. I can see now, it seems like I'm reaching towards the goals that I have for this and there are many. So again, Very thank cool. you. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And and the more I can help, the better for sure. I always, I, I love, I mean, when I did it, I did it all alone and I, I wish I would have had a network of people to kind of reach out to or ping about certain questions and it's kind of a different world now. So absolutely. I, I get a lot of joy out, out of helping. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And y I saw that you were, you were either creating or you're going to create a B corporation. Can you tell us about what, what is a, I know what a C corporation is. So mm -hmm. what is a B, B corporation? It's not, yeah. a, it's not a B like a bzz. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does just as much good. Okay. Uh, it is, it stands for a benefit corporation mm. and I am pretty sure every state that is in the U.S. actually has the option to become a B Corp. Um, it basically is just a derivative of a C Corp, which means that your priorities are not only to make profits for your shareholders, but your priorities are to prioritize people and your effects on the world over mm. profits. So it's a legally binding contract that says, I will prioritize people over profits. And anybody that invests into your company then has to be on board with that. Hmm. So there's, there's companies, I think Ben and Jerry's is a great example of it because they at one point were sued by their shareholders for trying to, um, I guess, give back. There was some charitable aspect to their company, which was then taking away from the profits that their shareholders mm. were expecting. And that was when they decided to make this shift. And it has to be accepted when you're a larger company by, I think more than half of your shareholders have to say, okay, this is great. Um, but I wanted to start the company off with that established so that moving forward from there, I had those grounds and those morals that are clear to anybody that wants to contribute afterwards. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. So what's and next? We're, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say there's, there's a difference that I want to make clear. There's yeah. a benefit corporation, which is something that you get established by the state, whatever state you are establishing your mm. business in. And then there is an entity called B Corp who you actually would get audited by and you have mm. to sign up through them in order to get that stamp that some people might be familiar with. It just says B Corp on it. In order to get that stamp, you actually have to go through an auditing process through B Corp to get that. So you can Amazing. be a benefit corporation without being a B Corp, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. But you that. can't be a B Corp without being a benefit corporation in your state. Got it. Yeah. Very exciting. That's great. That's great. I'm going to look more into that. That's uh, I really like that. 
I'm curious now yeah. to kind of turn the question around. What sure. were the grounds that you wanted to start your company on? I there, I mean, what do you mean grounds? I I so I knew there when I started Wave Tribe, there were no ecological surf companies at all. Zero. There was zero ecology in so it's 2007, right? Um, and I wanted, as a surfer, as a longtime surfer, I wanted products that, you know, had a lighter footprint on the world. And I couldn't find them. So I thought, well, I'm going to create them. So that that was really the the main intention, right? I, I wasn't, you have a much better, I mean, your vision is really put together in a beautiful way that I didn't have. I really had a simple goal, which was, um, I want to create products that are, that are better for the planet. That was really the goal. And that's what I've done. So, you know, and over the years I've, we've done things like, you know, planting trees and giving back to different organizations and that's been part of it, but it, it wasn't really, you know, part of the original vision in my original vision. It was just, I make a good product that has a lighter footprint and then uses, you know, ecological um, materials like hemp, cork, and recycled plastic. Those are the three pillars that we've stood on, you know, and it's still crazy to me that no, like we make a recycled leash, right? No companies are making recycled leashes, which I mean, that seems like such a weird thing, but mm-hmm. you know, if you, if your if your ethics aren't, if your ethics are just based on money, then that's you're not going to even think about where you can make a difference for the environment. And you know the reality is that all the pro all the products cost more to make. You know the hemp is more expensive than plastic. The recycled plastic, like we all know, recycled plastic is more expensive than plastic, which is crazy when you think about it. But um, and then cork. The core product that we make is is a composite, so it's a more it's a more complicated mold to get the the mold right and everything. Um, so the customer has to be. I mean, you kind of started this whole conversation about well, you as a customer wanted, you know, you wanted a product that was better for the environment or or wasn't as harmful. For, for in the ocean, like I'm not going to stop surfing, right? I mean, I surfing is is a is probably one of the most important things in my life, but I can do things that uh, will definitely, you know, help the environment, or that will be, you know, I I have it's kind of difficult to say they're ecological products because they're 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 really more they're like eco friendly I would call them because you know our our products still you know they they still have a footprint. There's still a, um, you know, if I could, you've come up with a scenario that's amazing, right? You're taking this waste product and you're going to upcycle it. And which we actually did some upcycling for a while too, but it was cost prohibitive, right? So if your bar of wax is like 10 bucks a bar, nobody's going to buy it no, mm-hmm. no matter how, how good it is. And so that's the other thing that I've struggled with over the years is, okay, it's one thing to create a product that, you know, I always had this dream. I was going to create a bag that would decompose that you mm-hmm. could put in the garden. It would just decompose at the end of its life cycle. That'd but be incredible. Re- yeah, it would be awesome. But the reality is technologically we're not there yet. Right. Like, 
you know, you have to have wheels on your travel bag, which are plastic. And then, you know, on the inside of the bag of our bags, there, there is recycled plastic because you, um, it's really hard to, like, if you created a, a, say a travel bag out of complete hemp, it would be too heavy. Like it would be, it would be so heavy you wouldn't be able to travel with it. Like you try to, you know, take it to the air, the airport and the airline would probably, you know, they wouldn't even accept it on the plane because it was so heavy. So there's also things with, you know, water too. So if, if it's raining, right. Hemp tends, you can get a coat over hemp, but um, I don't like the coats, the, the waterproof coats, cause they're very chemically based, right. Super, super chemically based. So, like I'm not going to create a, a hemp bore bag and then put this chemical over it that kind of destroys the whole idea of of having something ecological. So you know, there's a lot of trade-offs that one has to make, and one of them is really, you know, the customer has to pay more. Like that's that's just the reality. Like if you if you want a better world, somebody has to pay somewhere along the. The, the so it's just somebody has to pay for it you know mm-hmm. you know and the world we've created is a result of us really maximizing for profit and you you know you you talked a little bit about kind of limiting beliefs which i i'm a big fan of too like you know dissolving all of these belief systems that we've held and you know in in today's walmart world um you know, if you, if someone chooses to buy, and I'm, this isn't something against Walmart, but say you choose to buy the cheapest item, you know, at bulk pricing because you want to save money, but you know, you're never going to use all that product or, you know, you don't really care what it's made of. I mean, then that's the world we end up creating. We end up creating a world that, yeah, it, it might be cheap or you might have more money in your product in your pocket. But what, what is the, what is the, like, what is the karmic imprint of that? The karmic imprint is that we have then go global warming and trash in our oceans and trash Island, you know, in the Pacific. And so that's a result of all of the um, decisions that we've made as consumers. And so as business owners, we have to make new decisions. And so, yeah, I didn't want, I didn't, this is your podcast, but, um, that's no, I really I appreciate yeah. everything you said. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. first of all, I want to say thank you for mm. being that one back in 2007, standing aside from the rest of the crowd that said, I'm going to create something different. I'm going to create something that I believe in and that I mm. actually want to work towards a more sustainable product. Whereas Mm. other companies are thinking about how can I get my margins better? How can I continue to make this product that's effective and might work, but it's actually doing more damage in the process of allowing that person to buy a cheaper product and continue to surf. And I want people to be able to continue to surf. That's the whole mission behind this. Mm. I wanted to touch on you saying that choosing hemp and choosing recycled plastic and these things are more expensive. And a big reason why they're so expensive is because we haven't invested into the production capabilities for us to be able to turn these things back into a form that we need them in. 
then without the production capabilities, you have to either outsource it, you have to get it from a country that has the production capabilities. And there's still a lot of, you know, the flying and everything, the emissions mm. that come from that transport is doing damage in itself. But part of that is also creating more cost. So yep. by investing into these products now, you're allowing for in the future, these products to be more affordable, mm. right? Mm. Someone's going to have to pay for it. Like you said, we have been cutting corners. We have been um, not being transparent with how things are being made. We have been doing things out of the mentality of profiting. And now we're going to have to pay for it. But if we pay for it, the next generations may not have to. Hmm. And, you know, saying things like, you know, eco-friendly and all the decisions that you have made along the way in order to get to that point of what you understand to be eco-friendly is heads above what other people are doing. And it's nothing against those people. It's about what they're taught to question hmm. and to understand about where their money is going. So I want to encourage people just like you are to be curious hmm. and to ask questions about the brands, because in order for brands to understand that they have to be transparent, it needs to come from the consumers. That's going to allow for more parts of our products, for example, a board bag to be recycled. Hmm. Because if you could be clear about, you know, this part of it is made of this. And so you could cut this out and turn it into this, this wheel, this isn't recyclable. This mm. needs to be taken to a particular plant in order for that to happen, right? These things are going to allow for our products to be taken out of the waste cycle and put into a recycled system. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I wanted yeah, to touch on that. too, just down that route, the, the boards that we're using, uh, there are some brands that aren't quite as transparent as they could be, mm. but I wanted to just put it out there into the world. If you have a foam board, there's a website you can go to where you can actually see if your board is recyclable. So you can go to, uh, it's the epsrecycling.com and they have a whole um, like map on there and you can put in your location and see if that foam board is, or if there is a, a plant near you that can take your foam board out of that cycle. So Sweet. just to give people that option, it allows for a lot of that foam to stay out of the landfills, which is where most of it is going these days. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to encourage people also on the surfboard level is to check out wood surfboards so you can, I, I actually have a few um, balsa boards, which are, are beautiful and there's no, absolutely no foam in a, in a balsa board. Uh, it's, it's super light and you can get a really, you can get a, you know, eco-friendly, I'm going to say eco-friendly again, glass job on it. You can actually use hemp to, in, instead of fiberglass, you can use hemp in the deck. So that's one wonderful um, option. And the other option is to actually get a, a board that has no glass on it. 
like just a uh, just a straight up wood board, you have to put like linseed oil or something on on it to make sure that the water doesn't get in. But um, there's somebody in Hawaii, and I can't remember I can't remember his name right now. And I've had some converse or some correspondence with him, and he's making all wood boards. And so, you know, say you have four or five boards in your quiver, like most of us do. You know, if you if one of those boards is at least you know ecologically minded, I like that word ecologically minded, then you know that's you, you're you've you've created one step towards a better world, right? I mean, because you probably don't surf all your boards all the time, and and actually the wood boards are super fun to surf. One of my favorite boards is a wood board, so you know why not try it. And so I, I totally, I'm, I'm down with you and, and recycling. There's another company in, in San Diego that was doing, um, they were turning foam into asphalt, like using the foam and I'll, I'll look that up and put it in the show notes and I'll, I'll tech, I'll, uh, email you because you're in San Diego, so you can maybe check them out. And I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but I thought that was a great idea. Right. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So they were collecting uh, boards and just, you know, uh, you know, probably um, compacting them, putting them into the asphalt. Right. Which, again, takes the processing power. It's incredible that people are finding out how to do these things, but it takes, you know, money in order to make that happen. So I love that that innovation is happening. And I see it a lot in San Diego. Actually, there's another company called Solid Surf Co., that they create boards using plant-based epoxy resins. And those are better for everybody, including the shapers, where there's zero VOCs, which are basically just volatile organic compounds. They're just, they're chemicals that get into the air, they get into your body um, and they do damage. So there's resins that are being made that are plant-based that aren't damaging to people and there's also, like you were saying, hemp alternatives to fiberglass, which is so cool. That's what Solid Surf is doing here. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Um, and then the Foam Core, maybe this might be the same company. I'm curious. But I know that their EPS Foam Core is 100% recycled. Like they actually take other EPS and then they form it back into a surfboard. Um, so yeah, I'm curious, let me know yeah. what you find about them. I will. Yeah. And there's the other thing is I think that I've seen kind of a, um, emerging class of artists that are taking old boards and, and, you know, paint, doing beautiful paintings on them. I just interviewed somebody from Malibu, actually. I don't think it's dropped yet on the podcast. It'll probably come out in the next week or two. And he's taking old surfboards and stripping them down and then repurposing the foam and then creating new surfboards for, for his clients, which is, is amazing. Right. So, and it's all up to us, right. Instead of going and buying a new surfboard, you're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, not only are you um, supporting, you know, a local shaper, which is, there are very few these days, most everything. Yeah. Most everything is made in China now from surfboards. So shapers just send the files, not all of them, there's a local shaper here and I surf most of his boards called Roberts and he's, um, he's doing local shaping, which is great. So, you know, getting back to that, like customer power, like what's our power. We have the power as a customers. It's all us, right? So choose, you know, hemp wax, choose a hemp board bag, choose to, you know, get maybe one word surfboard, 
recycle your old surfboards. I mean, that's a huge one, right? Just, just recycling, just finding, you know, somewhere to recycle your old surfboards is mm-hmm. also a, a great way to help the environment. You know, you find a kid that wants to learn to surf and just give it to him, you know, even exactly. better, you know, pass it on. So yes. it's really, the it's, it's up to us, right? I'm, it, this is one of the things I really realized starting Wave Tribe way back when I was like, oh man, I'm going to change the industry. And, you know, this is, it, it felt like my fight, you know, it was like, but I realized that it, like the customer is the one that has to move the market. It's really customer centric. It's, it's, it, you know, there's nothing, you know, I, at one point, if you look at our website, we have tons of, of articles on ecology. So I just started writing, you know, and getting other people to write about ecology just because I felt like there needed to be more education about like, even what the hell's going on in the world. So, um, I've struggled as a business owner in that had a really strong vision. I've struggled to find the customer or educate the customer or in some ways, you know, turn the customer, if you will. I mean, maybe that's not the the best word, but um, to, you know, towards a different sunset that, and that sunset, uh, you know, has a different future. And that's, that's, I have to admit, honestly, it's been a hard, it's been a hard, it's been a hard journey. And so, um, I'm excited what I'm seeing in the industry. I'm excited to meet people like you. That's just like, makes me so happy to, you know, I have no doubt you're going to be successful and you're going to, you're going to bring something to the world. That's going to be amazing. I just have no doubt, you know? So, um, thank you. I feel like you're paving the way for that though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, paved it but i i you know um i definitely was one of the early you know early kind of cheerleaders I, that's yeah, a better way you, to you laid down the it. stones yeah yeah i put i put a couple it. stones in place for sure i put a couple stones in place um but it it's really going to require people like you to to go the next mile you know mm-hmm. to really um you know to think like you've you've taken your, your approach. I just, I love, you know, you're, 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 you've taken it to kind of the next level. You're like, you know, you're like, yeah, you, it's just the way you're even approaching it is different than I did back in the day. And I'm, I'm approaching it obviously different than I did before, but like these, the, the way that you're kind of holding the whole thing isn't, isn't even close to how I was holding it. And it doesn't say it's right or wrong. It's just that, there, I don't think there was the collective intelligence at that time and at that moment in culture and society to hold it. Luckily, I, I did place a couple stones early on, but it's really going to require people like you to, it's like passing the, you know, uh, it's like the Olympics <laughs> passing the torch. You know, yeah. The torch. And so I'm super excited and I'm seeing, you know, obviously this podcast has been great because I've got to meet a lot of people that um, are like you or thinking like you or, and it's just exciting because 10 years ago they weren't out there. Mm-hmm. You know, these people, these people, you, you people weren't out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
you know, Man, very exciting times. Definitely. I, I feel as though it's a time out of urgency as well. Mm. And part of the process for me just growing as a person has been continuing to be a good listener, being patient. And something that came to me the other day, I was meditating, but I realized that you cannot change the direction of a force. You can mm. only change hearts. So if you can change the hearts of the consumers, you can educate them, you can encourage them to be curious. I think that that can go such a long way. And on top of that, I think that that's too much for one person to take on. Mm. So the fact that you are still here, still doing what you're doing, still being a voice for Wave Tribe mm. is in itself so incredible because I understand, like you said, this is something that you were doing on your own for a while. And mm. I'm curious, have you grown? Uh, has your company grown through this process? Oh, for sure. It's definitely grown. Yeah, but not not at the rate that I wanted it to. <laughs> you know, um, I was early days were like, oh, yeah, ecological, ecology and surfing. Of course, surfers are just going to like fall out of the ocean and the sky and, and <laughs> you know, love on Wave Tribe. Um, but it hasn't been that way. You know, it mm -hmm. hasn't. It's, you know, most of most of the surf industry is and I'm I'm not like I've never been really connected to the surf industry. Like, you know, I've never been like I'm going to, you know, have my flag with all the other surf companies. I've kind of I've been an outsider. I'm, I've been an outsider my whole life in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm just that way. I, I think differently. I, I like different things. And so um the surf industry is not an industry, it's not my industry. So I have a surf company, but I'm not part of the surf industry, which is, it's a really uh, sometimes very difficult place to be in. And at other times it's, um, it feels great because I know, like I, I know a lot of what happens in the surf industry, right? And, right, like you're not bounded by yeah, exactly. the surf industry in the same way that these other companies are. I think right. that a lot of them are trying to keep up with trends and a lot of it is a fast fashion mentality. And in that sense, it's very damaging. Of course, yeah. And it's about, you know, which pro you can you can get in your circle and, you know, um, which magazine, you know, well, magazines are kind of over, but it's it's... For me, like this is the most powerful time, I think, for companies like ours, because the old school model, what you had to be part of the club in order to even play the game. So you like, how do you get in the surf shops? Like, you know, you had to like schmooze the surf shop owner and then give them terms and take back stock because that's what every, all the big companies are taking back stock that you don't sell. Right. And so that's a really hard game to play for a smaller company. Like for me to make a, you know, sale to a surf shop and then have to take a bunch of stock back. It's, it's just, it's almost, it's almost an impossible business model. Right. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, we get to have the relationships with the customers, which in, in the old school model, you didn't, right? You sold to the surf shop. Surf shop didn't, it maybe knew the brand ambassadors and knew, you know, this, the, the pro rider that was 
you know, um, writing for Rip Curl or whoever it was or Neil, but they didn't, nobody knew the owners of the businesses were rarely, rarely they knew. They didn't know the, the ethics of the, of the owners. They didn't know even the mission of the owners. So, you know, that's what I'm excited. And that's really been a recent pivot more so in COVID, but it started a few years before COVID, which is, you know, direct to customer sales. Like nobody was buying board bags on Amazon five, five years ago, you know, nobody, maybe a leash, but nobody was buying. Dude, now you can go and you can buy like crazy, like, you know, $10,000 items on Amazon, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd rather you not buy it on Amazon personally. I'd rather you buy it directly from Wave Tribe. But that was one step closer. Customers got they, you know, they got comfortable with with buying online on Amazon, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to go straight to the brand because there I have a relationship. I can see what's going on. You know, I can kind of be part of their community." So that's the exciting thing about what's happening now with with brands, and you know that's another reason I know you're going to do really well because you, you are speaking a lang, you're speaking your, your customer centric in your vision and just the way you talk about it. Like I haven't, I haven't I have I felt like I was talking to somebody that was like a, consumer advocate for the for ecological <laughs> surf industry that's like I, I haven't felt like i'm talking to a business owner right so you're like this you're con, you're consumer centric with an e- ecological layer and and that's what i think you know the new companies will need because customers are gonna they're not gonna take it anymore mm-hmm. they're just not gonna take it hopefully Right. I think that part of it comes down to giving those people an alternative that's viable for them to see, oh, I within my surf wax, I was able to pick something that I feel is a superior product in many ways from um, its function to its ability to do more good than harm. These things, once they see it in one part of an industry, won't they start looking for it in others? At least that's my hope. Yeah, that's that's where this whole dream is coming from, is that it's Mm. it's really on top of just being a good product. It's a conversation starter. Really want people to start asking more questions. And honestly, from my background, not coming up in the surf industry, not growing up into this, being able to see it through its many phases. I rely on people that have the history of it, like you speaking Mm. about what it was back when it was really just the faces of the ambassadors versus now there's a bit more of a story that people expect Mm. out of the industry. At least I'm seeing that a little bit more. I don't quite see it so much in the surfing industry, Um, but truly during COVID, I feel like a lot of people were seeking story out of the Mm. brands that they were buying from. And, you know, when it comes to a quick decision purchase like waxes versus buying a board bag on Amazon that usually takes a bit more uh like pre disposition or pre thought yeah. to it you're like you know I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to buy a board bag let me look on Amazon or whatever but somebody who's just going surfing and doesn't have wax and they don't have an alternative that's in a store 
that's where I feel as though I have to be in both worlds. I have to be oh, in sure. the surf shops and in the direct to consumer as well. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I think you're totally right. It's, it's kind of a different, um, wax is, I don't know. I, I think you'll, you're, you'll be surprised how many people would sign up for like a subscription service for wax which I think would be a great part of the, your business model, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great um, idea. just to, you know, I serve, I serve five times a week. I, I know I need a certain amount of wax. If it shows up, you know, once a month, I have my wax for, for the, for my month, you know, and an extra bar or two I'll give to a friend. Right. So it's not, it's not even the sort of thing that would spoil. Like if I, if I get a little bit of extra, that's okay. Um, if I'm going on a trip, you know, I don't know if you've, you've played with kind of temperature ranges and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, like that's yeah, a whole, we have. yeah. So that's another, if I go on a trip, then, then that's the only probably time where I might do a, um, a purchase at a store, like I run to the mm-hmm. store to get it. So I think, I think wax, I think you could kill it with wax direct to customer. I think there's no reason in today's world that surfer guys are buying surfboards on the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. you buy a surfboard on the internet, you could, you're definitely going to buy wax, you know? Totally. So I don't know. I, I challenge you a little bit on that belief. Yeah. I definitely want to rely more heavily on that direct to consumer, as you know, that there's so many more benefits from it. But I do know that there is that world out there. There's consumers that will require that just quick purchase day of sort of thing. So I know I got to be in both worlds, but a big part of this is making it a product that people are willing to pay the extra dollar for, yeah, but not it. going too far where it's like, that's ridiculous. I'm not yeah. going to spend $10 on a bar. So yeah. my whole goal has to find, has been to find that sweet spot where you are catering to those people that are used to buying their $2 bar, $2 bar, $2 bar. Then those people that are willing to buy the six to $7 bar and finding a sweet spot in the middle that you can actually tap into both markets. Yeah. Yeah. That's a and great a idea. Big part of that again, comes down to the sourcing of materials and the cost of things like hemp is definitely more expensive than paraffin. So people have to understand that they're mm. investing into a future of an mm. industry. Mm. Yeah. That has always been the biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. You just you just nailed it. Yeah, you know, having wax, that was just the first child that came from this whole idea. But understanding yeah. that in order to be in that sweet spot of pricing, it's very hard to run a business. It's very yeah. hard to be profitable. Wax is not a very profitable thing. Hmm. So a big part of this has been what other products can I create Mm. that Mm. haven't been created before and bring them to the market. So that's why reefer wax is actually founded upon products that are all hemp based, but Mm. all contribute to the surfing industry. 
So that was a huge reason why I found you guys, because I'm looking Mm. to create a platform for hemp-based products within the surfing industry to give people that alternative while also returning that profit into the hemp industry, which is so in need of funding in order to reach the masses in the ways that it's capable of. Mm. I love that. You're so right. I'm curious, and I've been thinking this since we started talking, why did you decide to go with hemp versus bamboo when those seem like the two most viable options? Bamboo just doesn't have the strength. You know, bamboo is better in a t-shirt because it's light. It's, um, you know, uh, it's just better for clothing, right? And I did do a couple of samples, but we use a really thick weave. So when you think about hemp, you can get different weaves of hemp. So you can get a, a thinner weave or a thicker weave. And with a thicker weave hemp, you, you, you actually have a protection against, uh, well, as a bat for a bag, because board bags, they obviously take a lot of beating too, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, baggage handlers are throwing around and, you know, your little brother's stabbing you with a knife and, you know, whatever it is <laughs> happening, like hemp, it has to be strong. So it's just, it was a stronger fabric. And so that's, and I also had read about a lot of the, um, the processing of bamboo fabric. And it's a pretty gnarly process from, from what I learned, like the stripping of the bamboo and a lot of chemicals are used to, to, for the fibers, the growing of the bamboo. No, the growing of the bamboo is obviously like grows like weeds as we all know, but um, the processing of bamboo, it can, it's not that ecological actually, but hemp is because it's, it's basically, well, it's, it's, just the way that it's made they don't use the same kind of processing right Mm -hmm. they just weave it basically right yeah Yeah. you know honestly i i want to admit where my knowledge my barriers Mm. are and part of that right now for me is understanding what it takes to produce hemp or um manufacture it into these different forms yeah like i'm curious how much of this processing is actually sustainable Hmm. I am confident in what I'm getting for the wax as being sustainable, but I haven't put eyes on a process like creating clothing Hmm. out of hemp. Or I know that there's things out there like hempcrete, hemp plastic, hemp Hmm. wood. Uh, You know, the list goes on. Um, I would love through your platform, if anybody that listens to this has knowledge around this or access to this kind of stuff, I would love to have my eyes opened to Mm. it so I can understand it because this truly is where my passion lies is trying to make sure that this industry is truly going to change the world and change Mm. infrastructure and not just surfing, but it goes so much further than that. Yeah. It's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. I love, I love what you guys are doing. Um, with the board bags and I love that you're continuing to refine it because you know that this is, it's a never ending process to, to be a business owner. It's always a learning process. Always, always be learning that those are, that's my mantra. I like it. (laughs) So we've got almost an hour. We've got an hour now. I just have a few more like quick questions that I like to ask my guests. What was your first surfboard? Oh, 
A wave storm. What wave else? Wave storm. Oh. <laughs> oh. What size? Oh. What size? Eight-o. And how did like tell me the story? Like how did okay. how did you buy it? Who did friend? You know. Yeah. Um. I moved to Santa Cruz. This was about three years ago, and I wanted to. I, I didn't want to hurt anybody in my process of learning how to surf. I knew Santa Cruz gets very crowded. So yeah. you got to be careful. Um, I actually went on Facebook Marketplace. I was able to find a secondhand surfboard and I just dove in. I mean, gosh, learning in Santa Cruz was such a blessing in a lot of ways because it treats you with a lot of respect or teaches you how to be respectful in yeah, when you're out there, um, it's a lot of point breaks and you get a lot of people that want to make sure they're getting their time. So I had to find my ways around it. As I learned on a, a wave storm, you stick out like a sore thumb, right? So yeah, I was humbled yeah. a lot. Uh, I have come from that experience and grown. Now I, I ride a 9.0, but I also love riding some mid lengths and I have like a 7.2 that I love riding. Nice. And I'm out here in Encinitas mainly just riding yeah. on beach breaks. So it's been, I mean, understandably three years is not enough time to really have much understanding around surfing. I'm still a student. I think I'll always be a student with surfing, mm -hmm. but my heart's in it and I'm dedicated. And I started out like a lot of people are, and you know, the surfing industry is just booming right now and there's a lot of wave storms and there's a lot of foam and that's again another big reason why i want to make sure that as i now grow into this industry that the growth is done in a sustainable and a regenerative way yeah for sure do you put wax on a wave storm i don't even know no i don't, don't. no that's so this this is great so you're going to, you, you are creating a hemp wax company or hemp, let's hemp is hemp company. And you didn't even have wax. I love that. I just love right, that. Dude. I mean, yeah. it was really just seeing the world around me and knowing yeah. what I was growing into and understanding that as I had to start making these purchases, buying a board, buying a wetsuit, yeah. buying the leash, buying the wax, that there weren't the options out there that I felt comfortable with. Yeah. So in a way, maybe even more sensitive, right? Because you you kind of went from um, not using wax to then using wax to a different board. Yeah, I I can see that. That's a trick. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So how about the, how about the best wave that you've ever caught? One that kind of stands out. Oh, there's this place I went to in Maui. Um, this is probably about six months ago. It was my first time ever going to Hawaii. Um, it's really close to Lahaina if you've ever been there, but mm. just the most incredible, right? The most comfortable I've ever felt riding a line, just the wave just takes you. There's no sections. You just go and just learning. I was on a 9-0 for the first time ever as well. Just borrowing a friend's board out there turned my board down, caught it, dropped in. It was just like the biggest rush. It was like being on a roller coaster. It was such an incredible freeing feeling. Yeah. Oh, I was amazing. just, um, immediately that was the first one that I thought of. I mean, I, I couldn't have 
asked for a better learning experience mm. coming in to Hawaii. The the energy of the waves is something that I had never experienced before. Mm. The energy of the people that you're surrounded mm. by when you're out there. Uh, it, mm. it really still goes beyond, beyond my words. And I, I want to ensure that that can hold its integrity that for generations moving forward that that energy can last so um i even saying you know my most amazing wave was in hawaii people have to take that and understand that there's a responsibility that comes behind that claim that going into these places where people have been for thousands mm. of years you have to go into it as a student and humble and willing to give more than you are taking. So mm. um, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm learning and being patient with myself and with the people that I speak to about this. So, mm. yeah, I just want to awesome. come from that place. Yeah. Beautiful. I can tell very intentional. So the last question is if you were to give your younger self some advice what advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Stay humble, stay open, stay in your integrity. Listen hmm. to the voice that is trying to speak through you. Your gut is always right. And there's something to be trusted that goes beyond the words in your mind. It comes mm. from somewhere deeper. And I wouldn't be here speaking to you if I hadn't followed that feeling. Mm. Sometimes it comes as a fire. And when that fire mm. happens, you have to realize that there's, there's a path being blazed. So yeah, I, mm. I am grateful for the times that I listened to it and I'm accepting of the times that I didn't and having to now learn from it and move forward with grace. So yes, thank you. Mm, that was yeah, a very that's beautiful. encouraging that's, moment. Oh yeah. It's a lesson I'm still learning for sure. So where can people find you and come hang out and, um, you know, online and do you have the, website address and Instagram and all that goody, goody, goody stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> I just want to, I want to point people to reefer in its forms. Um, we keep nice. it pretty simple. There's reeferwax.com and you can find us on Instagram in at reefer underscore wax. So Perfect. you'll find everything you need to find out about reefer wax, either one of awesome. those places. And we'll put those links in the show notes so everyone can jump over there and say hello to you. And um, I'm sure this this episode is going to be one of the best ones we've done. You were you were fantastic. Thank you so much, Derek. Yeah. Again, I really appreciate you, your time, your platform, mm. your spirit yeah. and your style. I, mm. Mm, yes, I would Thank love so to, to hone in on this relationship much further yeah. in the future. Absolutely. Come up and surf this. Uh, winter times is when we have the magic up here. So you have to come up and uh, surf one of these fantastic points that we've got in a lot of different points so you'd you'd have a blast up here it's an honor to get the invitation yeah. Yeah, thank you for sure all right bye bye Dara.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Saltwater High. Please take a moment and go leave us a review on your favorite podcast network. We'd really appreciate it and it would help spread the stoke. Also, one last reminder, go to wavetribe.com for surf gear, surf travel articles, and lots of other stoke. See you guys. See you in the water. Peace out.